And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry, man. Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Masked Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Fellas, <laughs> think we could listen to the radio or something? Hello everyone, I'm Carl Amari and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Bob Bailey stars as Detective George Valentine on Let George Do It from 1950. Then, William Bendix stars as lovable Chester A. Riley on a comedy episode of The Life of Riley from 1951. With me to help present these radio classics is my producer and engineer, Mike Costello. What's up, Mike? Hey, Carl. Well, this time, Mike, we're going to tune into a good detective adventure on Let George Do It. Now, the guy who stars as George Valentine, Bob Bailey, for a long time played your favorite detective series, yours Your truly, truly Johnny, Johnny Dollar. Dollar. That's right. And uh, this was actually sort of a warm-up for him. He played George Valentine on Let George Do It. Good uh, CBS Detective Series. This is called The Brothers Macintosh from April 3rd, 1950. Part 1 now of Let George Do It. Personal notice. Change is my stock and trade. If the job's too tough for you to handle, you got a job for me, George Valentine. Write full detail. Greetings, mystery lover. Time for another Let George Do It adventure. This story concerns a couple of brothers by the name of Macintosh. And I think they were rightly named, because as you will find out, here are a couple of real slickers. Dear Mr. Valentine, I am a butler in a very fancy house, though perhaps I ain't the usual type for butling. My bosses are two brothers, the brothers Macintosh. I've been with them ever since I was a busboy in the first cafe they ever owned. What a joint that was. But now they're a success so big it hurts your eyes. Bill McIntosh used to be a cook, and it must have given him a sour stomach, because there's a guy what hates everybody. But I mean everybody. And it's plenty mutual. Bill's brother, the sweetest guy in the world. This Mervyn McIntosh is a prince, a real gentleman, with good words and a wide-open pocketbook for everybody. Friends, I tell you, Mr. Valentine, there's nobody who ain't. Except that is, of course, whoever it is that wants to kill him. But how can you ever get a man to admit he's in danger when he's so big-hearted he'd slap the devil himself on the back and say, have a cigar? That's my problem, and I need your help. Yours most sincerely, and it's signed, Jasper Butler to the Brothers Macintosh. <laughs> Sounds like he thinks one of these guys is going to kill the other one, doesn't it? Sounds like he's crazy or punch drunk. Jasper Butler to the Brothers Macintosh. What's the matter, Brixie? George, the postmark on the letter is Harbortown. Oh, that's important? Yeah, there's been something about Harbortown lately. Something? 
This letter isn't crazy at all. I remember now. It's it's something Lieutenant Riley was talking about. Riley's out of town, Valentine, but I checked up for you. Thanks, Devlin. There's some kind of an investigation going on down there on the QT. Uh-huh. Small-time rackets of some kind. Nothing to do with us here in Homicide. A racket investigation. I thought that happened years ago in Harbortown. It did. They blew the lid off the place about five years back. Sent a big shot named Fillory to the pit. Fillory? Fillory. Oh, sure, I remember. Well, how about the name McIntosh? That mean anything? Cafe owners. The biggest roadhouse owners in the state. At least Mervyn is. He's got a sour apple brother, I guess. Kind of got pushed out of the business. You know, that's what I don't understand. What do you mean, Devlin? Well, these McIntosh boys got their start at the same time Fillory went broke. Same time he was... Well, go on, go on. Hey, wake up. Hey, Devlin, come back to the party. I'm here, I'm here. I'm doodling on the morning traffic report. Huh? 3.30 a.m., Sugar Canyon Road, 1949 convertible, went over embankment. No explainable reason for accident. Single occupant... No, that's his brother. His what? Hey, what are you talking about? You got a letter said this guy McIntosh might be killed. Here, listen. Listen to this. Car rolled over five times, completely demolished. Single occupant, only here's what I mean. Bill McIntosh. Oh, I get it. Wrong and guy. guess what, Valentine? He lived through it. No, I don't want to see you. I don't want to see anyone. Get out of here. Lie still, will you please, Mr. McIntosh? That goes for you too, Doc. I don't need all them bandages. Emergency hospital already slapped enough on me. Mr. McIntosh, we we don't mean to intrude. But your butler here, Jasper, tells me I can't see Mervyn unless I first see you. So you want to see Mervyn? Well, that was the original reason for coming here, but... We we don't like to bother you when you've just been in an accident. I'm all right. I just got scratched up a little... Doc, you're all finished. You poked around enough. I'm going, I'm going. You too, Jasper. Go on, yes, go on. Sir, I'll show you to the door, Doc. Friend of my brother's. Sucker won't even send us a bill. Your brother seems to have lots of friends. Maybe. But you're not one of them. Maybe. I know all about you, Valentine. Jasper told me about that letter he wrote you. He's an idiot, an idiot. Yeah, well, he's worried about your brother. Follows him like a dog, you idiot. Anybody who ties strings around people or lets other people tie strings around them. Mr. McIntosh, maybe the doctor shouldn't have left. Nothing wrong with me. Driving alone, car flipped over. I was thrown clear. Scratches and bruises, that's all. I want to see you. I want to see anybody who hasn't been given a glad hand or a free cigar or a slap on the back. Jasper out there is worried. He hasn't caught on yet. You don't know what I'm talking about, eh? Well, Jasper... Jasper thinks my brother Mervyn is just sleeping late today. What are you talking about? Look, last night I answered the phone. And then Mervyn came home and went out. And then afterwards I drove and I drove and I looked and I looked. I got more and more scared at what I'd done. Mervyn keeps a cabin cruiser down in the harbor, but she was anchored in the same old spot with no lights. I looked every place. From the railroad station to Sugar Canyon. Hey, wait a minute. Calm down, will you? Get back to that part. You got more scared at what you'd done. What had you done? Do you understand a man having enough to drink and being scared enough that 
When he sees a sharp turn coming, he just plain doesn't make the turn, just lets the car go over. Your accident. You mean you were trying to kill yourself? I mean, I've always hated my loudmouth brother. Oh, I was just excited, and I had some drinks, and I was scared, and I... Maybe I did. He is my brother. Abel and Cain, that's us. You better clear this up pretty fast, Buster. Know how to take dictation, miss. What? Oh, yes, I do. Go ahead. A confession. Yes, a confession. Keeping quiet when I could have spoken and prevented my own brother's death. His death? Yes. My brother, the great Mervyn McIntosh. Friend everybody. Well, he seems to have one enemy. A man named Fillory lost his shirt when we came to this town, and apparently it wasn't just because Mervyn had glad-handed him out of the nightclub business. Then Fillory went to prison. Why? Who knows? My brother Mervyn is honest, not a squealer. But for some reason, Fillory has threatened to kill Mervyn, not once, but 50 times. Fillory, uh, go on, go on. Well, Fillory was released from prison yesterday. Last night, a, a, a wire came to the house from a friend telling us about it. And that's where I fit in. While I'm sitting here reading that wire, the phone rings, and a little polite voice says he'd like to see Mervyn out in a lonely place. About some business, the voice says. And then it happens. Mervyn comes home. I give him the message, but I don't show him the telegram. He leaves. I don't tell him that that phony voice was really the voice of Fillory waiting to murder him. I don't know why I do it. A couple of hours, I just sit there and wait and sweat, but then I can't stand it any longer, so I go out looking, and I find the meeting's already taken place, and all I can find out is that Mervyn's green sedan has been seen leaving the place with Fillory in it alone. Don't you see? I let my brother walk into a trap. I let my own brother be murdered. Oyster Cove. And a green sedan parked right on the pier. What's your trouble, Bob? Huh? Oh, uh, nothing. I was just wandering around. How's the fishing? I don't know. I'm looking at boats. Yeah, yeah, sure. Some pretty ones, all right. Say, uh, you didn't happen to see anybody getting in or out of that car over there, the green one? Yes, but as a matter of fact, I did. Me. Uh... You? Me. That all right? I was talking to a guy named Bill McIntosh a little earlier, and he said... That's so. Never happened to meet the man. Now, just slow down, Buster. You're Fillory, aren't you? Is there a law against it? Whatever rotten branch of the law you spring from, but I assure you, my parole papers are quite in order. Not so fast. Let go of my arm. Let go of it, I said. Get away from those steps. Here, here, here. what's going on? Fillory, stop that. Cut it out, both of you. Why? You got a crew, huh? No, no, just Tony, a young fellow that helps me out. He's out there now, getting the boat warmed up. Who are you, chum? What's your name? Oh, 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 I think we can do without names on a hot day like this. I suppose you just run along, young man. Sure, sure. You guys aren't interested in murder. In what? Murder? Well, if that's the case, perhaps I'd better. My name is Mervyn McIntosh. Oh, what do you mean, murder? 
All right. So you are Mervyn McIntosh, and you are alive. But how did Fillory get your car? Because I loaned it to him last night. I had to see about the boat, my cruiser out there. He doesn't need to know that. Oh, now, take it easy, Fillory. He's not a reporter. He doesn't need to know any of it. Cool off, Buster. Fillory, please. Show you how I cool off. Hey, you... Look what you did. It was a nice young fellow. No need to I'm do in a thing. hurry, McIntosh. I came to talk business. Remember? Relax, will you? We'd like to find somebody to look after the boy. Leave him there. Business, I said. Oh, people should be friendly. We'll fix the boy comfortable. Now, pick up your suitcase and we'll go aboard. We're going to be friends, aren't we? Here, have a cigar. George, where on earth have you been? Don't even ask me, Brucey. Where all good suckers go, I guess. But, darling, it's practically midnight and the police have been... I don't care what's been happening. Besides an ice pack, all I care about is getting my hands on that Bill McIntosh. That crazy, hooked-up story of his about his brother being in danger, being dead. But, George, listen to me. The police have been calling. Bill McIntosh was right. What did you say? The Coast Guard up near Oyster Cove. They just fished out the body of Mervyn McIntosh. The brothers McIntosh. One of them no one likes, and the other one called everybody in the world his friend. The only trouble is, big jovial Mervyn, whom you talked to only this afternoon... Now is dead. Dead just as his brother Bill expected him to be. Dead just as their strange butler, Jasper, warned you Mervyn might be in the letter he wrote. Still, if your name is George Valentine, the case has not worked out in exactly the way you anticipated. In fact, as you return to examine the body with Lieutenant Devlin, you're convinced that nothing makes sense. Yes, yeah, same guy I saw, all right. Struck over the side of the head, huh? Yeah. Coast Guard found him floating in the water of the bay. As I figured, Valentine Fillory got gypped out of his roadhouses and maybe his little rackets by the glad-hander here. Yeah. Yeah, there might have been holes in this friendship stuff. Of course there are. Nobody was ever as popular as this bird's supposed to have been or as nice to everybody. Fillory gets out of prison and kills Mervyn. Yeah, after the big boy manages to stall Fillory at their first meeting and so suckers himself into being bumped off in an even more secluded spot. Mm-hmm. What about the boat? Well, it's just the drift out there, Fillory. All this fog and so many little bays along the coast, it'll take us a little time. Why a drift? What makes you think Fillory isn't still aboard? Uh, you haven't looked back at the road at the end of the pier, have you? Why, what do you mean? What's the... Oh, no. Oh, yes. The green sedan isn't there. That's what happened to Fillory. He's got away again. Well, have they checked in Arizona, the used car lots? Well, maybe... Dan, stop blaming yourself for this case. I got over that two days ago. I only asked it's you It's a police things. case now. Even if we haven't done any better than you did. Oh, hello, Miss Brooks. Paul. Oh, George, about the steamer Guadalupe. The what? Go on, Angel. Foreign registry? As far on as they come, three miles out, and you're as safe as a seal. It's a freighter, so no questions asked. When's she leaving? This afternoon, 4 o'clock, Pier 73. That's the other side of Harbortown, so there's plenty of... Will somebody please you tell me... You finally persuaded me Fillory's the kingpin on this case. That's all, Devlin. What? If he'd really planned on killing Mervyn, then he's also smart enough to have planned how to get away, how never to be caught. Okay. 
Tell me the rest. Hillary had already booked passage a couple of days ago to sail on the Guadalupe this afternoon. Well, come on, come on. What are we waiting not for? Not so fast, Evelyn. Not so fast. Get men down there just before 4 o'clock. But in the meantime, lay off. Stay away from the place. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. Angel, you and I have to go pay a social call on the poor guy that nobody likes. <laughs> Town. Great. Bottleneck streets, bottleneck murder case. But they'll certainly be able to make Fillory talk no, when he shows won't. up at the boat. What'd you say? I said no, they won't. Brooksy, this is the right street, isn't it, for Macintoshes? Well, yeah, just up the block. Angel, I... hey, look, look. Just parking in front of the house there. My nemesis, the wild goose but I George. chased. Let us park right behind her. Good, that's it, Brooksy. Yeah, the green sedan, the special job. Uh, now, now, George, be careful. Never mind. You stay behind me. But he'll see you first. I don't care, Lenham. It's a 50-50 chance, Angel. From where I sit, that's good enough. Well, hello there. Oh, hello. You looking for me, mister? Maybe I am. You had the car, didn't you? Well... Yeah, sure, George, but I... what on earth is... The wild goose, Angel. I finally remembered something Mervyn said about a one-man crew. About a boy who was out warming up his boat. Well, that was you, wasn't it, Buster? You're Tony, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm Tony. Look, I've always worked on that boat, only... Well, I, I didn't even know anything was wrong until I just read yesterday's newspaper, and, and Mr. Mervyn loaned me his car. You mean you stole it, Tony? Hello, Collins. Oh. No, no, I didn't. Honest, Mr. McIntosh, your brother said that this I could... This kid's been in trouble before, you know. Go on, kid, you tell it. Well, a couple of days ago, Mervyn came down to the boat at night. He'd had a meeting with some guy giving him the car. Fillory? Well, I, I didn't know who it was then. Just somebody who didn't want to be seen coming through the public pier at the yacht club, I figured. Anyway, uh, Mervyn had slept on board that uh, night and... Why didn't he call the house? The blasted, inconsiderate... Well, look, I, I didn't think he wanted anybody to know where he was. Or what he was doing. Next morning, he told me to pull out, and we went up the coast to Oyster Cove, where it's quiet, to pick up the same guy. It was, Fillory. Yeah, yeah. They were going to go out fishing for a day or two, fishing and talking, I guess. Only they didn't want me along, so Mervyn, he said I, I could take the car for the weekend. Gee, he, he was like that, you know, always giving you everything. It's like I used to be in trouble, see, until he hired kid, me. Kid, and... kid, the police of ten states have been looking for that green car for two days. Where'd you take it that they couldn't find it? was it? in a garage, mister. My my girlfriend's garage. Gosh, it's the first weekend we've had off together in a year. Of course, I want to see Miss Brooks and the kid, Valentine, and we have plenty of time now that our little party at the freighter's been canceled. What are you talking about, Devlin? You remember that little black suitcase you saw Fillory carry? Yeah. Well, something must have backfired with the jailbird's plan because the Coast Guard had finally located that cruiser. Come on, make sense, will you? It was dynamite. The cruiser had blown up. That's what killed Mervyn when something hit him and knocked him overboard. And guess what else, Valentine? You got another body aboard the boat. Yeah. At first, I thought it might have been a deckhand. Only now you'll have to check the fingerprints we and find out... We already have. It's him, all right. It's Fillory. The guy whose plan to blow up Mervyn blew right up in his own face. So there you are, Valentine. The end. Let's take a break from Let George Do It. More after these words.
More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. Before we tune into the conclusion to Let George Do It, I want to remind all of our listeners to check out our website. It's Hollywood360radio.com. Hollywood360radio.com. There's all kinds of fun stuff there, including a pop-up that tells you all about our cruise, which we will be taking to the seas on February 16th. 2019 on Royal Caribbean, Lisa and I will be sailing the uh, greatest ship in the ocean, the world's largest cruise ship. It's called the Symphony of the Seas. Just go to our website, click on the pop-up, and learn all about it. We'd love for you to join us for that week. Fun in the sun in the Caribbean. We're going to stop at St. Martin, St. Thomas, and the Bahamas. That is February 16th through the 23rd. 2019 on Royal Caribbean. So check out Hollywood360radio.com. All right, now the conclusion to Let George Do It. Well, Bill, Fellery's dead. <laughs> Big loss, that is. Of course, I never met the man. I wonder if your brother had him out on that boat trying to make a friend of him. He'd have offered the devil himself a cigar. Doesn't pay, though. Sooner or later, you reach out to pat a dog and it bites your hand off. Yeah, I know, I know. You don't like anybody. I'm not apologizing. I was wondering if you really did try to commit suicide that night. What's that? Well, it would have been so easy to push your car over the cliff and give yourself a few scratches and bruises and pretend that you'd done it. Wait a minute, Valentine. Oh, no, you don't, Buster. And don't argue with a gun. Why, you... I wouldn't trust you any further than I could throw a piano. You're not going to shoot at me. You're not going to kill me in cold blood. Stand still. You are soft in the heart like Mervyn was. I told was. you to stand still. Hey, Jasper. Get up here, Jasper. Oh. Oh. <laughs> you see, I've got a gun, too. And now you have What's the matter? Hurt your arm? What do you think? I suppose when Jasper gets here, you'll the just... The house is empty, Valentine. You sent Miss Brooks and the kid away. And Jasper, he's a sentimentalist. He's changed his shirt by now and gone to my brother's funeral. All right, sour puss. Now, you were saying something, weren't you? No, it's the things you say. Like just now, you said that you never met Fillory. I wouldn't have even noticed it if he hadn't told me exactly the same thing about you. Never met the man, he said. So maybe it's true. Well? Well, it doesn't quite fit with something you said in that ridiculous confession of yours. That you recognized the voice on the telephone the other night as being the voice of Fillory. A smart boy. So that guilty remorse of yours was all fake, wasn't it? It's <laughs> a pretty good guess. You bet it is, Buster, and I'll keep on guessing, too. You knew why Fillory got sent to prison. Maybe even planned it, sure. Sure, you were trying to duck out before Fillory and your happy-go-lucky brother ever got together to check notes. But they got together on that boat. Where you knew they'd be. Yeah, you're the one who made sure that boat would blow up the minute they were on board. And then you cooked up the cock-and-bull confession stuff. Just on the off chance the murder might be blamed on Fillory. Shut up! Why? You planning to pull that trigger anyway, aren't you? Get rid of me and still try to get away with it. Try to get away with it? Fillory had a getaway plan, remember? Well, who do you think really made that plan, using his name? And who do you think they're expecting aboard that freighter at four o'clock? And now there's no welcoming committee either. I want to know. Got every possibility covered, haven't you? 
Except maybe the clock. It's only ten after three. And Pier 73 is only just the other side of Harbortown. I'll make it all right. Oh, you wrecked your car. In you your car, sucker. I haven't admitted anything, have I? I told you, I'm not crazy. There won't be any evidence. Well, you didn't pull the trigger on me, so I won't pull it on you. <laughs> you don't mean you're going to commit a friendly act. Valentine, I've never done anything in this world for anyone else. And I haven't asked anyone to do anything for me. My brother loved the whole town and vice versa. And where is he? And where am I? <laughs> Turn around. That's it. It shows how much friends can do for you. <coughs> <coughs> Get your thumb out of that horn, buddy. I'm sorry, officer, but what's the matter with that man up there? He won't move. And I won't let him move. Can't you see there's a funeral going by? Keep your shirt on. But I've got to get across town, you idiot. My boat sails at four o'clock. I'll miss the boat. I said cut it out. Take your hand off of that horn. Hey, Joe. Joe, what's the matter? Ah, some kind of jerk, that's all. Can't stand to wait for a funeral going by. Ever see such a crowd? We'll keep on all day. That Mervyn McIntosh was quite a guy. How do you like that? Bill gets caught because he can't get by his brother's funeral. George, are you sure you're all right? The doctor said... I don't let the bandages scare you. Valentine, I don't want to say anything, but... Uh, but what? Well, a guy who lets himself get beat up, knocked down, drank... Well, look, you got your man. You even got a screaming confession out of him. What difference does it make how he was caught? I'll take it easy. I didn't mean to. You want me to say I had him corralled. All I would have had to do was shoot. Why didn't I do it? Sure, I know. I'm some hero. Darling, now, please. Well, maybe it's the kind of guy I want to be, Devlin. Not a hero, just a sucker. Valentine, all I started out to remark was, Fearless Fosdick may stop a lot of people from eating beans, but me, well, me, I I wouldn't have shot either. Good for you, darling. Huh? Hey, what is this? She's kissing me! <laughs> you have just heard the Brothers Macintosh. Another Let George Do It adventure. Robert Bailey was starred as George Valentine, with Virginia Gregg as Brooksy. David Victor and Jackson Gillis wrote the story, with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Now this is yours truly, inviting you to another Visit with Valentine, when you will again hear what happens when you let George do it. And that's Let George Do It. From April 3rd, 1950, with the brothers McIntosh, starring Bob Bailey. Also in the cast, Virginia Gregg, Ted DeCorsia, Larry Dobkin, and Ed Begley. Sponsored by Standard Oil, as heard on Mutual. All right, it's time now for the first portion of The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix. Good Father's Day show, because Peg's father visits, and uh, Riley's not too happy about it. Let's go back. To January 5th, 1951, part one of The Life of Riley. Internationally famous Pabst Blue Ribbon, finest beer served anywhere, presents The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix as Riley. 
Chester A. Riley is a man who really likes California. He likes the climate, he likes his job, he likes his little frame bungalow, the casual way of living, the people. But most of all, he likes California because it's 3,000 miles away from his nearest in-law, particularly his father-in-law. So, it'll be interesting to observe Riley's reaction when he learns that his father-in-law, far from being 3,000 miles away, is actually only 200 miles away, and an airplane is bringing him closer every minute. When does Grandpa's plane get in? Tonight, in a couple of hours. Oh, boy. Oh, I wish he'd sent me the wires sooner so I could get things ready. But that's just like Papa. He takes everything for granted. You know, I can hardly remember Grandpa. I can't remember him at all. Well, it's almost ten years since we saw him last. Is he going to stay with us, or is he going to rent a room? Rent a room? I should say not. Of course he's going to stay with us. After all, he's my father. What'll Pop say? Mother's right. Yeah, but what'll Pop say? Well, why should your father say anything? Well, he doesn't like Grandpa. Oh, Junior. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean anything. It's... Just that Pop despises him. <gasps> Junior Riley, don't you ever let me hear you say a thing like that again. I don't know where you got such a crazy idea. From Pop. <laughs> Every time he gets sore at me and his neck gets red and he's desperate, he says you're getting to be more like your grandfather every day on your mother's side. <laughs> That's just talk. He doesn't mean anything by it. They've had a few disagreements. See, your father used to work for Papa when we first got married, and I guess Papa was a little bossy, but that was a long time ago, and it's all forgotten. Hiya, Peg, I'm home. Oh, in here, Riley. Oh, oh, hiya, Dumplin'. Hiya, young chicks. The rooster's home. Hey, Pop, guess who's coming? I give up. Grandpa. What? Grandpa? Yeah, he'll be here tonight. He's flying. Grandpa's flying out here? Oh, boy. Yes, I just got the wire. Oh, that's wonderful. I haven't seen my father in so long. <laughs> hey, Peg, we got to get a room ready for him. Oh, we'll give him our room, huh? Uh, but, uh, right. Now, 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 wait, Peg, hold it. I know just what you're going to say, but my father's not going to fly 3,000 miles and live in a rented room. He stays right here with us. But, Riley... Now, there's no I... buts, Peg. I don't want no argument about this. I'm putting my foot down. He stays with us. That's the least a son can do for his father. But, Riley, listen... No, you what? listen to me. The father's entitled to some respect in his old age. Comes all the way out here. Probably the last time we'll see him, so... Wants to be near his children and grandchildren. Riley, you're making a big mistake. Oh, sure, Peg. Sometimes old people can make a little trouble. That's true. They're cranky. They have to have special diets. They don't like to be left alone at night. You've got to take them everywhere you go. They interfere and try to tell you how to bring up your kids. Yeah, I know all that, but it don't make no difference. He stays here for as long as he wants to. Riley. And I ain't saying that just because he's my father. <laughs> I'd feel the same way if it was your father who was coming. <laughs> well, that's fine, dear, because it is my father who's coming. Huh? <laughs> your father? Yes, dear. Isn't that lovely? And he'll be here any minute, so we got a lot of work to do. Now, if he's going to have our room, we better move our things out of the closet. Come on. No, 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 no. Wait a minute, Peg. Don't, don't you think that... Well, I, I mean, we, we ought to talk this over, huh? Why, certainly, dear. What is it you want to say? Well, I mean... Well, you, you, you know how older people are. They, they, they... Well, if, if you... Oh... Boy, are you in a spot. <laughs> you keep quiet. You're getting to be more like your grandfather every day. On your mother's side. <laughs> 
Now, remember, dear, I don't want any trouble when Papa gets here. Okay, hurt. okay. How many times do you have to tell me? I promised, didn't I? I know you and your promises. Now, oh, please, be nice to Papa. After all, he's getting along in years now. Well, I'll but... be nice to him. I mean, there's no law that says I gotta like him. Oh. Why do you still have this silly grudge after all these years? I'll never forgive him for what he did. He tried to break up our marriage. Why, he did not. The day we got married, he gave you a job, didn't he? Yeah, but he put me on the night shift. <laughs> Some wages he paid me. A measly 15 a week. How could I support you on that? Well, I was working. Yeah, and he forced you to give up your job. <laughs> With a baby coming yet. And another thing he did. He's here. He's here. A taxi just pulled out. Is Grandpa here? Oh, now, Riley, remember I, what okay, I told you. Okay, okay, I heard you. Peggy, darling. Oh, Papa, dear. It's so good to see you. Oh, you look wonderful, Peggy. Wonderful. <laughs> Hello, Grandpa. Don't tell me this is little Bab. She's beautiful, beautiful. He looks like a movie star. Takes after your Aunt Elizabeth. Oh, Grandpa. Hi, Grandpa. Junior, my boy, how you've grown. He's a young giant. Oh, he's a handsome lad. Peg, looks just like your Uncle Joe. How are you, Pop? Riley, didn't recognize you. You've grown fat as a horse. Oh. <laughs> now, just a minute. Oh, Riley, can't you take a joke? Uh, well, come in the living room and sit down, Papa. You must be tired. No, no, the flight was fine. Had a little trouble over the Rockies, but I straightened the pilot out. Say, you know, I thought you'd have a bigger place by now. Big enough for us? <laughs> I hope I'm not crowding you. If it's inconvenient, I could go to a hotel. Oh, don't be silly, Papa. We wouldn't think... Riley, put down Papa's suitcase. <laughs> I'm just trying to give him his own way. I really don't want to put you in any trouble. Why, it's no trouble at all, Papa. We wouldn't think of you staying at a hotel. Would we, Riley? No law against thinking. <laughs> well, I won't be much trouble. I'll be out most of the time getting the business going. Business? Yes, I moved it out here. Well, what's the point in that just for a couple of weeks? You only have to move it back when you go home again. Who's going home? I'm in Los Angeles for good. Oh. Another piece of pie, Papa? Oh, no, thank you, Peg. Two's my limit. Now, are you sure? There's one slice left if you want it. Ooh, I'll bust if I have another bite. Well, I could go for another piece. Well, I... no use letting it go to waste. I'll force myself. <laughs> Here you are, Papa. Ah. Thank mm. you, a marvelous cook. You know, I, I must put on ten weeks in the... Ten pounds in the week I've been here. <laughs> I can't remember when I had such delicious meals. I swear I don't know how you do it on Riley's salary. Well... We manage. It's not easy, of course, with high prices, but... Now, just a minute. What's wrong with my salary? I knock down 59 bucks a week. That ain't hay, you know. I guess it's all right for a kid, but a man your age with a family to support and growing children, he's got to think of the future. Well, I ain't worried about the future. It's a good, steady job. I've been there 10 years already, and I can have the job for life if I live that long. That's always your trouble, my boy. No drive, no ambition. You're satisfied to go on year after year in an ordinary now, job. Now, there's nothing ordinary about my job. I'm one of the key men in the whole plant. I'm worth twice what they're paying me, only they don't know it. Well, why don't they? Because you never asserted yourself. Now, that's true, Riley. You know yourself you let him kick you around down there. You do all the work and other people get the credit. 
Now, if I were you, Riley, and I'm only telling you this because I have your interest at heart, if I were you, I'd walk up to the big boss, uh, what's his name? Mr. Stevenson. I'd walk into his office tomorrow and I'd lay it down on the line. I'd say, Stevenson, I've been in this job ten years, and you know as well as I do that I'm worth twice what you're paying me. Now, either pay me what I'm worth or let me go. Well, he might let me go. <laughs> He's a very stupid man. No man heading a large organization is stupid. Yes, my boy, that's your only approach. Well, I don't know. I, you think it would work? Well, if you're as valuable as you say you are, there's no reason why it shouldn't. You've got to show some gumption, Riley. Well, now, I, I don't know, Papa. You know, talking to Mr. Stevenson that way, he might resent it. No, Peg. Your father's right for once. I've been kicked around long enough. i got to think of the future. It's time I had a showdown with Stevenson. Now you're talking like a man. Uh, but suppose it doesn't work. Well, why shouldn't it work? If he's a key man there, they wouldn't dare let him go. Especially now, they need men. You just march into Stevenson's office and say, yeah, yeah, suppose I'm Stevenson. Come on, let me hear you say it. Uh, no, no. I come don't... on, come on, say your piece. Uh, well, well, I'll say, uh, uh, Stevenson, uh, uh, I've been here ten years. I've been here ten years and I'm worth... Uh, I'm worth yeah, I'm worth twice what you're paying me. Now, either you, uh. Pay me what I'm worth. Pay me what I'm worth, or, 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 or let me go. Or let me go. What's your answer? Uh, what's your answer, Stevenson? Riley, you're too valuable a man to lose. I'll double your salary. Uh, uh, you see, Peg, all you gotta do is speak up and you can't miss. <laughs> Supper ready, Peggy, my dear? Just as soon as Riley gets home, Papa. He's late today. Yes. I wonder what kept him. Oh, I think that's him now. Is that you, Riley? Yeah, it's me. Well, where have you been, dear? It's almost 7. You left work at 5.30. I left at 10 this morning. <laughs> you left work at 10? Where have you been all this time? Looking for work. <laughs> what? You quit your job? No, I got fired. <laughs> oh, Riley. Well, what happened? Well, I, I went in to see the boss this morning. Yes? And I said, Mr. Stevenson, I've been here ten years and I ain't worth what you're paying me. <laughs> so he cut my salary. Then I got sore and the next thing I knew I was fired. You incompetent old can't even hold a job. Well, I only did what you told me. I didn't tell you to get fired. You've got a family to support. Where's your sense of responsibility? Oh, Papa, please. It's not fair of you picking on him now. Peg. You'll get another job, dear. In a pig's eye. I know his type. He'd just as soon let somebody else support his family. That's a lie. Would you, Papa? <laughs> Looks like I'll have to. Okay, I'll put you on my payroll. Not that I need anybody. I'm only doing it for my daughter and her children. No, no, I ain't working for you. I know the kind of a salary you pay. I worked for you once before, remember? Don't get excited. I'll pay double your salary. You will? Oh, gee, thanks, Pop. Oh, you're swell. Double. Peg, that, that's two times 59. That's two times 15. You'll get 30. <laughs> it's a losing fight. Is that you, dear? Yeah, it's me. Oh, you're late tonight. Don't tell me. Tell your wonderful father. Oh, now, Riley, don't start that again. Did you look for a job today? How can I look for a job when I got to put in 12 hours a day slaving for him? He watches you like a hawk. He'll give you a minute to yourself, follows you everywhere. I sneaked away for a second to grab a smoke and he even followed me in there. <laughs> now, don't exaggerate. I tell you, he ain't got a heart. 
You must have got your heart from your mother. Riley, uh, he did give you a job when he really didn't need anybody. Didn't need anybody? You believe that? The day he put me on, he fired three guys and sold one of the machines. <laughs> well, he was going to do that anyway. We ought to be grateful to Papa. Grateful for what? For making me lose a good job? If I hadn't have done what he told me, I... You didn't have to listen to him. I told you not to. Grateful. $30 a week. Is that a wage for a married man? It's tough enough getting even that out of him. I should have been paid yesterday and... Ah, hello there, Riley. You quit early, didn't you? Early? How many hours a day you expect to work me? You watch your step or I'll report you to the SPCA. <laughs> I haven't had a bite of food in my mouth in eight hours. Here it's almost eight o'clock. I haven't even put the feed bag on. Hey, you see, I'm even beginning to talk like a horse. Well, all right, Riley. We'll talk about it later. Now, come on, eat your supper. Oh, wait a minute. Where's my pay? I should have been paid yesterday. Take now, it easy. I've got it for yeah, you. Well, I've got it here. Here. Uh, Two dollars. Well, where's the other 28? I'm giving that to Peg for the house. Now, wait a minute. That's my money. I work for it. I'm still the head of this house, and I'll handle it dough. I'm a man. I ain't a kid to be handed a two-buck allowance. Now, you hand over that dog. Now, look here, Riley. I don't like that kind of talk. Oh, give it to him, Papa. Oh, here. Well, that's better. I'm still the boss here. Here you are, Peg. Thanks, dear. That's the first portion of The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix. Let's break. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's the conclusion to The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix. Then it's part three of our ten-part adventure on The Cobra King Strikes Back on Adventures by Morse. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.